Hey, y'all, I'm Scott. Uh, welcome to my questions and answers show. It's uh, March the 6th. 2017 brought to you by the war state that's right the war state the history of the military industrial complex and its rise in the era of truman ike and kennedy i think you'll really like it it's by uh, my good friend the great mike swanson who also runs wall street window where he will tell you where to park your money so as to not get it all inflated away uh, libertystickers.com where i make up hateful slogans and put them on vinyl go and spend your money there Robertson Roberts Brokerage, Inc. In case you need to buy some precious metals, they take bitcoins, they don't take credit cards. They don't feed the banks. But if you buy metal with bitcoin, you get a discount. Check them out, Robertson Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Uh, best prices in town on gold, silver, platinum, whatever you need. Uh, check it out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man, check out um, the Go-Kart Galaxy at gokartgalaxy.com. Uh, mini bike parts. Go-kart parts. You and your kids, you got go-karts. You're racing around. You need parts for your karts. Go-kartgalaxy.com. All she got. Um, and then, uh, of course, Liberty Classroom and uh, Listen and Think Audio and Darren's Coffee. I get a cut from all those things if you if you like all that. And um, who am I leaving out here, man? Um, anyway, so yeah... Uh, uh, check out libertarianinstitute.org as well. That's my institute. Me and Sheldon and Will and Jared. Where's Libertarian Hell? And we publish stuff. Okay, good. All right, so now, yeah, questions and answers. You people keep sending me questions and answers. So the first thing is, is I really screwed up in the last one, and I was trying to answer the question of who all's fighting in the war in Syria, and um, I completely left out <laughs> the entire I went off on a tangent is what happened. It's not like I didn't know this or something. I just spaced out. Um, I left out the entire Kurdish war against the Islamic State and the Turkish war against them. And of course, the news is there's this new deal that the Russians have cut where the um, what they call the Syrian Democratic Forces, which is basically the Kurdish YPG with American special ops guys embedded with them. Uh, they have made a deal uh, with the Russians, uh, brokered it, made a deal with the Syrian government that the Syrian government would occupy Deir Zor and would, uh, or I'm sorry, Manjib, however you pronounce it, and that that would create this buffer area and would keep the Turks away from the Kurds. And so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, to the Turkish government, our NATO ally... Uh, the Kurds are the far worse terrorists. They would much rather uh, tolerate the Islamic State and the Al Nusra Front from now on uh, compared to their Kurdish problem. But meanwhile, America and Russia both back the YPG in their fight against the Islamic State, which America never really supported, but it is all America's fault that because America did support the rebel, quote unquote, rebel side, the jihadi side. A lot of them were imports from the very beginning. Foreigners came to fight. It's not really a civil war when it's a bunch of foreign mercenaries and jihadists, right? Anyway, um, by taking their side, Obama really did save al-Qaeda in Iraq, uh, or the so-called Islamic State of Iraq, from virtual extinction and gave them new life in the form of the al-Nusra Front. And then, you know, when 
the Islamic State broke back off again from al-Nusra's when they created the Islamic State back in 2013, while the group split off in 2013 and then created the Caliphate in 2014. So, but now we're back in the Kurds to try to correct that. And actually, it's going, quote-unquote, well, or I guess I should say, at this point, um, they have made progress where all that's left, all of eastern Mosul is now firmly in the hands, well, I don't know how firmly, but it seems like, uh, in the hands of Shiite forces, Iraqi government forces there in northwestern Iraq, and uh, Raqqa, oh, well, and, and then so Islamic State forces are, are left in uh, western Mosul, and they're surrounded, and their days are numbered. And then the same thing goes for uh, Raqqa. They're surrounded. That There hasn't been a full-scale invasion of Raqqa yet, as there has in Mosul. Raqqa will be their last stand. And then the Islamic State will go from a group, uh, from a state back into a group. They won't be annihilated. They'll just be severely weakened. And, you know, I don't know if they really will um, just go ahead and rejoin the Al-Nusra Front at that point. I'm sure a lot of their fighters probably will. As long as the CIA is still... And I don't really know. I'm not really sure. Who knows? I should go read uh, The Moon of Alabama. Those guys are on it. Um, you know, it, it's pretty clear that um, that Trump has ordered this escalation against Al-Qaeda and Islamic State forces. Uh, a, re- a severe escalation. It's in uh, the news today. James Gordon Meek at ABC News. Um I guess he's the guy that does the journalism that Brian Ross takes the credit for kind of thing. Um, they got a story today at ABC about how they're ordering a major escalation against Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula down there in Yemen. And and they're escalating special forces against the Islamic State in Syria as well. So, uh, I don't know. Expect to see changes there soon as far as that goes. And then, you know... What are their plans for after Raqqa Falls and the Islamic State guys hit the road? I don't know. I don't know if they thought that far ahead. I guess probably not. Um, All right, well, so I think I was going to say one more thing about that, but then I forgot. This keeps happening. Um, Okay, so somebody on Twitter asked me, hey, man, what's up with Israel's role in the Iraq war? Do they help lie us into war? And then he said, because Gareth Porter says they warned us against it. Well, kind of. I mean, what Gareth is really saying there is the Israelis, Ariel Sharon, really wanted us to go to Iran first and foremost. And um, you'll see just immediately after the initial invasion of Iraq, Sharon uh, said that, well, you better go to Iran and Syria and Libya next. Uh, and, you know, rattled them off. He may have even said southern Lebanon. I don't know. No. There's one more I'm leaving off, though. He said Iran, Syria, Libya. Maybe that was it. Anyway, Iran is what they really wanted. But, you know, I read this fascinating thing. I don't know the name of it. I should memorize the title of this article, but I bet you could find it. Um, it was only, I think, in the last year or so, he was sort of revisiting the topic. It was J.J. Uh, Goldberg at The Forward, uh, not to be confused with Jonah Goldberg at The Nation or Jeffrey Goldberg at The Atlantic. This is J.J. Goldberg from The Jewish Daily Forward. And what he was getting into some inside baseball stuff that I didn't really know, but it did kind of ring true to me, that Sharon really wanted Iran. And that his rival in Likud, Benjamin Netanyahu, was the one who was much more obsessed with Iraq. 
and and was the one who came to America to really lobby and push for Iraq, and that the neocons in Washington, D.C. were really more Netanyahu types than Ariel Sharon types. That was their, you know, this is just a faction split within the Likud party, and Sharon ended up, of course, leaving the Likud party and creating Kadima, and that was really over, I think, mostly personality and then a technical fight over what to do about Gaza, but... Um, anyway, so it does seem that it was Netanyahu's forces. I think that, that Jeffrey Goldberg is right. Now, I, I also am pretty sure that I know that Ariel Sharon sure as hell went along with this and sure as hell cooperated with the plan. And, um, if you read Agents of Influence by Robert Dreyfus in The Nation, you'll see that Ariel Sharon had created his own little office of special plans in the prime minister's office because just like with the CIA, he had a problem with Mossad. They would lie, but not enough, not well enough. They needed more. These professional types were, you know, somewhat hesitant to put their stamp on pure BS. So he created his own little office of special plans. I don't think they called it that, but it was the same damn thing. And where they manufactured fake intelligence in English to you know, uh, stovepipe right up the intelligence stream. Agents of influence in the nation by the great Robert Dreyfus. And then there's also um, the spies who pushed for war. That's in The Guardian by Julian Borger, great reporter. Julian Borger in The Guardian, the spies who pushed for war, also reports on that same fact, that Ariel Sharon was participating in coming up with the bogus intelligence to... Uh, help push for the war. I still don't think necessarily that he was driving it, but yeah, he clearly was down. And now the question of Israel's fifth column inside the United States, the Israel lobby altogether and their vanguard, the neoconservative movement, there's no question that this was their project, absolutely. Um, in fact, all, uh, what's his name? Condoleezza Rice's guy, who is not actually a neocon, Zelikow. You know what? He actually may have been consider he may have considered himself one of the boys at the time when he said it, honestly. I don't know that he wasn't. But he was just happy to concede that, yeah, this was about protecting Israel's interests. And um oh hell. Uh just read the Israel Lobby and American Foreign Policy by Mearsheimer and Walt. They have an entire section about all that the Israel Lobby and the Neocons did to help push us into this war. And they're absolutely right to consider the neocon movement as the forefront of the Israel lobby. In fact, Andrew Coburn says, what the neocons are, they're where the military-industrial complex crosses with the Israel lobby. Because see where you had the, the oil men and the bankers, they always had the Council on Foreign Relations and all of their, whatever, Carnegie Endowment and a few other institutes that represented their interests in pushing their propaganda for their foreign policies. But the arms dealers, they didn't really have a bunch of eggheads and PhD types writing up excuses for selling their products to the military. And they needed some. The, this is the new right, the military-industrial complex establishment that grew up after World War II. And what they did in the 70s was they hired the Israel lobby to write their position papers, basically. And here we are. So uh, this is our, this is their alliance that we are stuck with. Um, 
And then, so yeah, what Gareth was saying, and in fact, I think I remember the article that this guy was talking about. I don't know if someone had criticized Gareth on this issue, but there was an article that he wrote where some of the language was too stark in saying, well, they didn't want Iraq, they wanted Iran, but it really stuck out that, come on, they didn't want Iraq? Like, yeah, they did too. And this has been part of the Yunnan plan and the clean break and all these things for a long, long time, but... It's just you got to get a little further into the weeds to parse these things. And Gareth, I think, if I remember right, this is like an article from 2008 or nine or something like that or seven even, um, and that I interviewed him about it at the time, and he clarified that like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, they, they were perfectly happy to go along with this, but there's no question that Iran was at the top of their list and still is. So there's that, and that's because Iran supports Hezbollah more than anything. All right. Um, okay, now, um, and then someone on Twitter asked me, uh, what do I think about the alt-right and whether I think that, uh, they should be, uh, won over to be anti-war allies or something? And the answer is, I think virtually nothing of them. And no, I don't think that they could or should be allies. Alt-right just means fascists. And we're individualists. And we're the exact opposite of that. Now, Kami will starve you to death, but at least he's trying to be nice, you know? Um, but yeah, racial collectivism and racial nationalism and all this is just absolutely poison. It's the curse of the old world. The fact that people think that's the solution to our crisis here is just beyond retarded. What we need is liberty, sound money, free markets, live and let live. Okay, get it? People are individuals. Stop being stupid. Okay. Um, Trump, North Korea. Somebody asked me, is Trump going to attack North Korea? No, he's not. I hope. Um, there was a report that KT McFarlane, the deputy national security advisor, had ordered a review about North Korea policy, but it said right there that, yeah, she said we should look at options like recognizing them as a nuclear weapon state or even attacking them and everything in between. So, in other words, it didn't sound like write me up a plan for attack. It was more like, let's do a review about what are all our options for dealing with this country, which makes sense. So, not that I think they're going to choose right. Uh, click over to the other feed and you'll hear my interview with Doug Bandow. Well, I guess this will be published before that will. Soon, I just recorded it, soon there will be an interview of Doug Bandow where he talks about how we ought to be trying to get along with North Korea. And of course he's right. Um... And I haven't interviewed Michael Malice yet. I have his book, but I haven't read it because I'm trying to write my own damn book right now and I'm really busy and it's not about North Korea. So what are you going to do? But I'll get to it. Maybe. At some point. Um, and then someone asked me, without U.S. support, where would the Saudis be in their war in Yemen? It would be over. It would be canceled. They could have never waged it at all. Without American AWACS and American bombs, American support, American technical advisors... Um, you know, private mercenaries and the other kind. It's all American men who do all the maintenance and the care feeding and all of all their planes. American spies and military officials picking out their targets for them, helping them with the intelligence, um, refueling their airplanes. I already say refueling their airplanes on the way to all their targets. And I got rumors. Both of them are just rumors. So two rumors combined don't really equal anything, but kind of they do, I think, sort of. That Dan Simpson, a former ambassador, said on this show that he had heard this and 
Andrew Coburn. So, yeah, I mean, as far as rumors, these were being passed on by men I take very seriously. Dan Simpson and Andrew Coburn, the great uh, journalist Andrew Coburn, Patrick Coburn's brother, um, had both heard that there were American pilots riding in the back seat of these Saudi F-15s, holding their hands all the way to the targets. So I guess that doesn't necessarily mean every time, but that was at least happening some of the time. And these could have been, you know, guys who are no longer in the Air Force and maybe are hired as mercs by Saudi to do this. I'm not exactly sure all the details. But our Navy's helping them enforce the blockade and everything. And more importantly... The real answer here is America has their back diplomatically in the United Nations. The rest of the world would be demanding and maybe even forcing, not that I'm necessarily in favor of one world state or anything, but the rest of the countries in the world at this point would be mandating some kind of negotiated settlement here. But America stiff arms them all. America blocks them all. And the fact is that this war that's now two years old where 50,000-something people have been killed, according to Nasser Arabi, who I think is a credible journalist. He's certainly been published as a credible journalist by American mainstream papers in the past. He says the U.N. is wrong. It's not 10, it's 50. And when he asks them, how come you say 10 when it's 50? They say, because, man, everything around here is such a wreck that we just can't get the work done to prove that it's 50. But we're not saying it's not. Okay. Uh, 50,000 people shot, mostly bombed, exploded to death, uh, starved to death, deprived to death. And, and you know, their infant mortality rate, I mean, nobody's doing a, a real measure of the excess deaths here. And I don't know if they'll be able to for many years to find out the difference in the death rate during these last two years and I guess the next two compared to the time before that which already had numerous wars in the North and the South, but still nothing like this. And Barack Obama and Donald Trump, I mean, what they're doing, it's genocide. It's a war against a people, as they put it, to be collectivist about it. Um, I mean, the U.S. is certainly treating them as one big collective to be victimized, aren't they? Uh, starving men, women, and children to death, bombing them. And the Saudis have been committing mass war crimes. I mean, I interviewed Matthew Akins on this show where he snuck in an inflatable boat, man. He snuck across the Red Sea and went to northern Yemen and saw the devastation where the Saudis were just carpet bombing the place, man. They're bombing markets, bombing banks, bombing car dealerships, bombing, 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 bombing everything. Destroying the towns up there in the north where the Houthis hail from. And they can't win. And in fact, this whole thing about Houthis this, Houthis that, never mind all the false accusations that they're the sock puppets of the Iranians. There's a great new article debunking that at Foreign Policy right now called The Houthis Are Not Hezbollah. I'm going to try to interview the guy. Um, never mind even all the lies about that. Um, but... Uh, it's a lie that this is even really all about the Houthis at all. I mean, the Houthis are in alliance now. I mean, I'm not saying at all. I shouldn't say at all. That it is about the Houthis primarily. 
Because remember, they're in alliance now with the former dictator, with America's former sock puppet dictator, Sala, who Hillary Clinton pushed out of power and replaced with Hottie, the guy that they're trying to reinstall now that they can't reinstall now. But Sala, when he left, he took army divisions with him and he went and made an alliance with the Houthis. So in other words, you can see, I'm not saying this would be a good thing. I mean, America's empire should, and including the entire State Department, should cease to exist. We should have nothing to do with any of this at all. But assuming we have anything to do with this, there's obviously a negotiated settlement right there. You just put um, Sala back on the throne. He's got an alliance with his former enemies, the Houthis now. Hadi's his former vice president. The Saudis were able to deal with Saleh for forever. He was their sock puppet like he was ours. Actually, I'm not exactly sure of the degree of their relationship in the past, whatever. But it ought to be good enough. It's a good question to ask somebody who really knows. Um, it should be good enough. And now, so, Donald Trump is escalating in Yemen big time against... Al-Qaeda, who Obama has fought this war for for the last two years. But I, don't, I haven't heard anything about Trump calling off support for the Saudis against the Houthis at all either, though. I think they're doing both. They're going to go ahead and continue to fight on both sides of this civil war. In fact, here I have this special ops article by Meek here. Um, did he mention the Houthis here? I don't think they talk about what they're going to do about the Houthis in northern Yemen or the Saudis' war against them. But you know what? It ain't just me. Mark Perry, the reporter, uh, the Pentagon reporter from Politico magazine, he quoted an American general saying, uh, an Air Force general saying, well, John McCain complains that we're flying as Iran's Air Force in Iraq right now. Well, that's true. He could have added, that's been true since John McCain pushed us into war with Iraq back in 2003. Stupid. But he didn't. But anyway, and then he said, but we're flying as Al-Qaeda's Air Force right now in Yemen. So how do you like that? And that's 100% right. So, um, you know, well... We're fighting on both sides of this war. I guess we'll see how it goes. It's, they're certainly escalating against Al-Qaeda, which on its face makes sense. It's better than fighting as their, literally, as their air cover in their war against all. And yet, we've seen that the war against Al-Qaeda has done nothing but expand their ranks since Obama was sworn in in 2009. Why should Barack Trump's campaign against them be any different? What a mess. Them poor Yemenis, dude. You just Google Yemen right now and Google News and you'll see pictures of starving infant babies dying. Nothing but skin and bones and death because it's a miracle they're even born to their malnourished mothers. This is what the USA is doing to the weakest country in the world other than maybe Somalia that we already finished starving a million to death next door there. Uh, I don't really believe in this stuff, but I really like the phrase, though, for those of you who are into it. Uh, you may be familiar with Thomas Jefferson's lament over the future of sla- uh, over the future over the future of slavery in America. 
when he said, I tremble when I reflect that God is just and that his vengeance cannot wait forever or something like that. Anyway, uh, assuming that there's such a thing as the USA, that there's such a thing as the American people, that this government is our government rather than we are its people, <laughs> uh, then, uh, and you know, you got to admit it's true to some degree, right? I mean, if the American people just wouldn't stand for killing Yemenis, then it would be over. Or at least we should try and see if what happens, you know, you can get back to me in a year after we have a unanimous American consensus that we have to stop butchering the Yemenis, but it makes no difference at all. But I kind of think that it would make a difference if anybody even gave a damn whatsoever. If you can't even figure out which side we're fighting on, then chances are you probably shouldn't be there at all. I mean, right? All right. Um, oh, and then the last thing is this whole wiretap story about Obama. I mean, you know what? I honestly have not read all the different stories about it. Apparently, there were seemingly small confirmations that there was some kind of warrant to look at a computer or something. And yet, the bulk of the whole thing and the basis of Trump's accusation against Obama was this retard, Louise Mensch who is a stupid idiot who makes up all kinds of crap. She's basically like Michelle Geller or one of these not-worth-your-attention type people. So she came out with this crap based on anonymous sources. And then Mark Levin mentioned it on the radio. And then some guy at Breitbart wrote, Mark Levin mentioned this on the radio. And then the president heard it. And here's the way the president thinks. Well, I heard it somewhere. And that's good enough for him. Right? He's the kind of guy who would believe a fake news story about himself. Wow, look, the trumpet, the, goddamn, me and my punchlines. Look, the Pope endorsed me. Something like that. Because that's his standard for evidence. As long as he's not the one who made something up. As long as he heard it somewhere else and it confirms his bias, then that's good enough. Believe me. That's how he thinks. That's probably if you, you know, really waterboarded him and made him admit it. That's what he thinks the definition of truth is. Something that sounds right to him. And I guess it could be the case that, no, he's just a liar, and he thought that it would be fun to make all the media poodles dance in a little circle for a couple of days to divert them off whatever the hell else it was he was trying to divert them off of. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd buy that. Uh, I think he's an idiot. And no, I don't think that Obama, even if the Department of Justice was doing something to one of his people in Trump Tower... I don't think Obama did that. I think Obama actually was pretty happy to see Trump win, to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't know. He's <laughs> Donald Trump, for Christ's sake. I think, like all of us, Obama was really relieved to see Hillary lose. <laughs> I really don't think he was that biased against Trump, honestly. I mean, I don't know. If you, if you saw his anti-Trump speeches, he was like, geez, this guy, he seems like a boob. 
right? Like, but he didn't seem to say, he didn't seem to really pick up Hillary's slogan that he's far too dangerous to be trusted with power. He didn't, you know, whatever. he didn't give a crap if Donald Trump won, I don't think. I don't think that, that Obama was ringleading anything against him. Although, I don't know, um, the New York Times story sort of makes it sound like that, right? Where at least the Trump, the, the Obama government was getting all their quote-unquote evidence that still nobody's seen any of this, you know, so-called evidence. And they were spreading it around to all the different agencies so that the Trump people wouldn't be able to get rid of it. Whatever this so-called evidence supposedly is. But even that, I don't think, requires necessarily the president to be, in, the former president to be involved. Uh, anyway, it just sounds like all oh, a fake news distraction to me. I did like the funny meme where Trump is saying that, hey, man, you're tapping my phone. And Obama's saying, you dumbass, I'm tapping everybody's phone. Which, yeah, you got to admit. All right. Did anybody else ask me any questions that I haven't answered? Um, that's everything on my list. I'm not thinking of anything else. And I'm at 29 minutes and something seconds, so I better wrap up now. Um, hey, man, I forgot to say the t-shirt company. Rye Guys, W-R-Y, Rye Guys. You can get Scott Horton Show shirts there, and you can get Libertarian Institute shirts there. And in fact, if you go to libertarianinstitute.org slash support, you can pay extra for a shirt, and then, you know, uh, you get your shirt kicked back, and it's a donation to help support the Institute. But uh, yeah, check out Rye Guys at ryeguys.com. And hey, patronize all my sponsors and tell them I sent you because, you know, it's important that they give me money. All right. Thanks, guys, very much. Appreciate it. ScottHorton.org and LibertarianInstitute.org for all the stuff. And follow me on Twitter at Scott Horton Show.